Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. Sport. It's time on with Jack Everett. On a day where the AFL take a stand and condemn racist social media behaviour. Hello and welcome. Great to have your company here on SEN. Jack Heverin with you to work our way through the stories from across the day. Joining us in about half an hour from now, the CEO of the newest NBL team. They don't have a name, they don't have a coach and they don't have players as yet. But they do have a CEO. Simon Brookhouse will be our special guest a little bit later on this hour. Plus, as we get set to lock and load for the next bunch of games, I want you to make a case for a player from your team that you believe must be an All-Australian in 2020. After six o'clock, hello and welcome. Great to have your company here on Time On. It is Wednesday, the 19th of August. My name's Jack Heverin, and it's a great day to be alive. Nice to be with you. Nice to work our way through the hour. There's a lot to get through in this hour as well. And I'm very much looking forward to Simon Brookhouse joining us. You know that I'm a massive lover and uh, commentator in the NBL, and I love the fact that Tasmania have got a franchise. The question now begs... Does Tasmania having their own team in the NBL potentially accelerate other sporting codes having their team in their specific league? I reference the AFL, obviously, uh, and I reference the A-League and others who might be thinking about it as well. So a bit to talk about when that comes up a little bit later on. one 736 736 to join me on the phone. You can join me on the text as well, 433 before we work our way through some of the news of the day, I want to throw one at you as our hot topic tonight. You know that we always open this show with your calls and we blanket plenty of time to make sure that we get them all in. I want to throw one at you this evening. The team at afl.com.au have put together, so I'm sort of half pinching their idea a little bit, so thank you guys and girls in advance, but they have put together players from your club who could be in the running to be an All-Australian in 2020. Now, I thought it'd be a good chance for us to do it tonight because we're well and truly beyond the halfway mark of the season. In fact, we're sort of just hit the straight and we're starting to turn for home. And very quickly, the season will be done and we'll go, oh, gee, um, who should be an All-Australian from my team? So as I always say, no one knows your team like you. I watch as many games as I possibly can. We all watch as many games as we possibly can. But no one knows your team like you. So one 736 736 on the phone. 433 on the text. Who at your team has absolutely made their case to be an All-Australian in 2020? And I don't mind if you get a little bit biased here. That's part of the fun. If you, if you want to wear your rose-coloured glasses and you want to push one forward from your team, that's fine as well. But 
If you want to legitimately push one forward, I'd love to hear from you this hour. one 736 736 I've got a couple to consider. I could probably make two or three cases um, for each team. And I know that we only get sort of 22 that, that go into this team. And sometimes the, you know, the half forward flanks and the half backs can sometimes get fluffed up a little bit with, um, with an overflow of on ballers. Hopefully that doesn't happen. And I reckon we're seeing less and less of it. I want to make a case for two. One is Darcy Moore. Um, he has had a fabulous year. Darcy Moore very rarely loses a one-on-one. His intercept work has been absolutely superb. I would argue that this is his best year. Um, I think certainly from a continuity point of view, he's had a lot of issues with soft tissues uh, along the way. Darcy Moore, and that's that's definitely impacted his career, but he's played all 11 games this year after playing 17 last year and only seven in 2018. Um, and I think he's just going on in leaps and bounds as a footballer. His marking numbers are high. Uh, scrapped the last couple of weeks because he, like a lot of Collingwood players, have looked really, really tired and, and probably need the, the rest. Darcy Moore's one that I want to make a case for. I think he's done everything right, and I think he should most certainly be in all Australian conversations. So that's one. 0433981116 or 1300736736. I could go on about Clayton Oliver again. I sung his praises last night on the show, so I'm not going to go back to that um, again. The other's Travis Boak. He's 32 years old. He's averaging 21 disposals. He has not only changed some games from Port Adelaide this year, but I'd argue that Travis Boak has won them some games as well. So for power fans, you'll be well aware of of how good a season he's having. But we, for for some reason, about two and a half years ago, this guy was wrongly written off as being just about over the hill. Um, he has been superb for Port Adelaide. So that's the other that I want to make a case for. Um, there's a lot that I'm going to make cases for over this half an hour, but I want you to make your case. one 736 736 Who should, absolutely in your mind from your team, be an All-Australian? Now, a lot can change with... Six games to go, but it's a good chance to put one of yours forward. Ross from East Malvern is first up tonight. Ross, thanks for your call. Yeah, g'day, Jack. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Uh, mate, I'm, 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 I'm thinking similar to you. Um, I'm, I'm a Collingwood fan, and there's probably two that probably two that come to me, but probably one that really stands out. I think Darcy Moore, his season has just been, um, oh, I think it's been first class. I think probably he started off the year. Um, really red hot, and he's probably continued that. Um, yep. Might have dropped off a little bit over the last couple of weeks as his side's form's dropped off. Um, but the other one, I kind of, I don't think he'll get in the side. But I think if you were going to mention players from clubs, I think if um, Taylor Adams, if his season doesn't yeah. get looked at, I think he's really taking his game to another level this year. You can't, you, you can't deny that. Um, and he, he's probably over the last couple of years got a bit better with his. His disposal, and he's actually still finding the footy a uh, fair bit as well. So I think he's balanced uh, both those sides of his game, being able to get the footy, but also being able to use it really well. So I'd probably say that they're two from Collingwood. And if he hadn't got injured, I reckon Jeremy Howe was probably looking like he was going to have an all-Australian year as well. He was on track, no doubt. If you, if we were doing this after six rounds, Roscoe, no doubt we would have been talking about Jeremy Howe. Taylor Adams, um, as a Pies fan, you would see this week in, week out, but he's really been the one with Pendlebury injured, with Trelaw injured, uh, with side bottom suspended. 
Taylor Adams has basically been a one-man wrecking ball in your midfield. Without him, I, Lord knows where you'd be. Yeah, I think so. I think, um, I think, yeah, I think you've put you hit it on the uh, you hit it on the head there. We've been a fair bit of trouble if it wasn't for him. I think he's basically rubbed a stamp for himself in the last six weeks. It's the next captain of Collingwood, whenever either Pendle retires or if Pendle's, um, you know, uh, gives it up. So like Nick Maxwell did in the last few months of his career, mm. I think that Taylor Adams is the one that he'll take. Uh, He'll take that captaincy on because you can just see he, he sort of he's in lifting over the last sort of, yep. as I said this season. But yeah, I think his last six weeks has been really good. Yeah, so, points uh, points very well made, yeah. Ross. Points very very well made, and appreciate your call. I think he's uh, the midfield. I'm always hesitant sometimes to really push someone in the midfield because there's there's such a big cluster of players uh, that, that go into the conversation. But yeah, Taylor Adams, I agree with you. I think if he continues on the form that he's having at the moment, albeit that some of these performances have been in losing teams, but you shouldn't ignore that. Um, his game against Sydney, I thought he was the best player on the ground. His game against Adelaide, he wasn't far off the best player on the ground. And his game against Melbourne, well, it would sort of get lost because of how good Melbourne were. But uh, he tried his backside off. Things would have been probably um, a lot worse without him. Nathan's in Craigieburn. one three hundred seven three six seven three six to join me here on Time On. Hello, Nath. Yeah, good evening. How are you? I'm good, mate. I want to drop my three dark horses, and I'll have one that's actually my case. I'm a St Kilda fan, obviously. Okay. Um, my three dark horses from St Kilda will be Zach Jones, Dan Butler, and Callum Wilkie. Mm-hmm. And my actual case I want to make for is Jack Steele. He's we've had our in and in and under players out of the team, out of form. So one Seb Ross, the other one's Luke Dunstan. That's in the middle. So all the pressure's been on, uh, and Dan Hanbury's been out as well from injury. So all the pressure's been on Jack Steele and he's stepped up to the plate and he's carried out a team in every win. Uh, I love him as a footballer, Nathan. I reckon you're spot on. Um, and what I love about Jack Steele, and Saints fans are well and truly up about it with him. There's a lot up and about. There's a lot of text messages coming through. What I love about Jack Steele is that he's evolved his game. So he, for the last couple of years, has been really consistent. He's played a lot of games for the Saints. So off the top of my head, I reckon he's missed three games uh, in the last three years. But a lot of them in the, the two years prior were in tagging roles. And even at the start of the year, uh, I can think of a game uh, against Port Adelaide, I reckon I was singing the praises of Travis Boak. But I think Jack Steele went to Travis Boak after quarter time and, and put a bit of a job on him after that. But he's become more than a stopper, Jack Steele. He's become a ball winner. He's the number one disposal winner uh, at St Kilda. He's the number one clearance winner. He leads contested ball as well. He ticks a lot of boxes and... You start to talk about best and fairest, and I reckon we might maybe do this in the next couple of weeks, but you start to talk about best and fairest at your club. Jack Steele might be pretty hard to shake at St Kilda. So you make a very, very good case for him, Nathan. Thank you for your call. Tony's in East Bentley. Tony, good evening to you. Thanks for your call. That's all right, Jack. Uh, first off, got to ask how's young Bubs going. She's still got more hair than you <laughs> Yeah, it's not hard. Um, yeah, no, she she does, but she's um, she's just going through the teething phase at the moment, uh, Tony. So we're sort of up around the two, three times a night she's waking up. But thank you for asking anyway. My thoughts are with you. Uh, I was going to say Cam Wilkie from St Kilda, but it has to be Dan Butler, half-forward yeah. flame. There's um, you, you couldn't have, Tony, I know you love your Saints, you couldn't have possibly thought that you were going to get what you did, could you? Like, he, he's been so good for you this year. Did you think he'd be this good? Yes, I have, because I got several messages from faithful Richmond supporters saying, you've got a bargain, and they are crying hard right now. 
Yeah, they gave him away for next to nothing. Yeah, and I know for I know that Richmond didn't really want to lose him, Tony. But at the end of the day, you can only squeeze twenty two into a team, and Dan Butler was out of the team more often than he was in the team, and. You're only as valuable as what the offer is from elsewhere and, and the offer from St Kilda and a couple of others um, really came hard for him and, and I can certainly understand that as well. Tony, always nice to hear your voice, mate. Always uh, appreciate your call on this show. You're always welcome. In fact, everyone's always welcome. one 736 736 If you've just joined us, we're talking about the player at your club with six rounds to go that you think should absolutely be in the discussion for all Australian. You see your team better than anyone, maybe sometimes a little bit biased at times, but that's fine. Who should be in the conversation for all Australian this year? Off the text, Stephen May's name is getting a lot of support. He's having uh, a great year. His year's getting better and better, Stephen May. I reckon he's one of those players that the more he plays, the better he gets. And historically, he can be a little bit slow out of the blocks. But um, yeah, I, I really like the way that Stephen May's building this year. He's been so crucial for Melbourne in the last month in particular. Josh from South Yarra off the text says in a season uh, of little to nothing to enjoy when in 2020, there's even less, surely they can give us Roos fans something and not appease the uh, the numbers, but reward Todd Goldstein as the starting all Australian Ruckman. Yeah. He's had a really, really good year. The only thing that may go against him is the fact that North Melbourne have been pretty poor, but again, If you're playing good footy, especially as a ruckman in that team, you can only do so much. Maybe he should be getting – maybe that shouldn't matter as much. But, yeah, Todd Goldstein's had a a fantastic season, I agree. And with Grundy um, just starting to slow up a little bit, he definitely looks like he needs a rest at some stage or or maybe just a a decent break. Um, Max Gorn's been injured. Nick Nat Newey's had some fantastic games, but then he's had just some steady games – um, along the way, it probably is Goldstein and, and Nat Newey in the conversation for the All-Australian Ruckman right now. If I've missed someone, tell me about it. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. 736 736 Matt's in Sydney. G'day, Matt. G'day, mate. How are you? I'm good, thank you. That's the way. Um, look, I'm a West Coast Eagles fan, always have been. I love Liam Duggan's um, play this year. He's been extremely good. But Brad Shepard, he has been absolutely exceptional. He just doesn't lose one-on-ones, Brad Shepard, does he? He doesn't. For the size of him, he's just—he's quick. He's really good with his ball um, movement, and he's a super good one-on-one. So I think he's—he's he's a lock. He has to be. Yeah, and you talk to—and you know, you're obviously an Eagles fan as well. You talk to Eagles fans, and and they talk about—you know, you quite often say, "Well, who's the first player picked every week?" We know the glitz and the glamour and the shine of of Nat Newey, and we know that Luke Shuey's devastating through the middle of the ground. But um, as far as as I say, not losing one-on-ones and someone that you can absolutely set your watch to week in, week out. Brad Shepard, very much in that conversation. Second in the competition for marks taken this year. I thought he was quite high up in, in that tally, but second in the conversation uh, and his rebound numbers coming out of, uh, out of defensive 50 are quite good as well. So agree with you. I think he's had a great season and he's going to make a really, really good case to be an All-Australian in 2020. one 736 736 to join me on the phone. More of your calls after this. Brendan, Nick and Lockie, do me a favour. Don't go anywhere. You'll be the first three up and there's plenty more to come after this. We're talking All-Australian for 2020. There's a great article up on afl.com.au right now about it. But who from your team should be absolutely a lock or at least considered for the All-Australian team for 2020? More calls after this. It's time on on SEN.
Yeah, look, well, to be honest, I think I always knew I had it in me. It was just sort of getting that out and, and having that consistent performance each week. And um, I think last year, sort of 12 months ago, I sort of was in that stage of my career where I was sort of, um, you know, I didn't have a contract at the end of the year and um, I was sort of at that 50-game mark. And you know, that sort of started when I started to believe that I sort of really belonged at AFL level and could have an impact on a game um, as I showed last year. So... It just sort of came back to that self-belief and once I sort of started to have a few good performances and I got that confidence in me, it sort of just grew from there. It's Carl Amon talking uh, to the media today ahead of Port Adelaide's next game. He's someone that I don't think is in the conversation for this year as an All-Australian, but he does fit into the theme of what we're doing tonight here on Time On because he has developed his game in a big way in 2020. Maybe 12 months on from now... He may be in that exact same conversation. But we are talking off the top tonight on our Hot Topic about those from your team that have staked their claim and you think should be an All-Australian in 2020. one 736 736 on the phone. 433 on the text. Simon Brookhouse, the new Tasmanian NBL CEO, is going to join us in about 15 minutes from now as well. Off the text, uh, Luke Ryan getting a lot of support. Uh, the longer this year goes the better Luke Ryan's getting in terms of making a case to be a potential All-Australian. 187 centimetres, and he's he's playing like Darcy Moore. He's playing like a drop-off forward. He has been absolutely superb. Agree, agree, agree. I don't think he'll make it, but uh, he may be in the squad, which is an achievement in itself. A lot of Collingwood supporters uh, mentioning Braden Maynard's name, and justifiably so. He's one of the best lockdown defenders in the competition, and he's starting to find more of the footy as well. And, Ben from Mount Martha says, Callum Wilkie, the most underrated defender in the competition. You've got to put him in. Ben, he might just be in the calculations when the season finishes as well. Nixon Strathmore has been waiting patiently to join us here on Time On. Nick, thanks for holding on, mate. Now, good day, Jack. How are you? I'm good. Tiger supporter, mate, and our best and most influential player. We all know who we're talking about. Our captain, Trent Cotchen. When he's there, that team is one. When he's missing, a lot of other players do a lot of great things, but it just seems to be his leadership is just phenomenal. How much of a difference did he make on uh, what day are we again now? We're Wednesday. How much of a difference did he make on Monday, Monday Nick? He was just he just straightened you up, and when the game was there to be won and controlled, he led the way. It's, he's done that in the finals. He's done that all the time. When something needs to be done, whether it's just a tackle or or a bit of a run on or just a pass to somebody else to bring him into the game. He's just always there. I mean, we have, we've got a lot of great players, which we're lucky at the moment. We've seen a lot of bad times too. Yeah. But he, when he's there, he straightens that team right up. Yeah, he's, he's so crucial. And, I mean, he's missed some games this year, so that may come back to bite him, potentially. Uh, he's played eight out of 12, so he's missed four. But if he plays the rest of the year, I mean, that... That may not matter at the end of the day. But, yeah, I think if you're looking, if he doesn't quite make the All-Australian midfield, Nick, come finals time, and you're going to be there again, Richmond, come finals time, uh, he is going to have an enormous say, I reckon, in how you're shaped. Brendan's in Camberwell, one three hundred seven three six seven three six. G'day, Brendan. G'day, mate. How you going? Good. That's good. Um, sorry, uh, uh, um, what's his name? Mitch Wallace from the Bulldogs. He's... Uh, since he's moved down the forward line, he's been phenomenal for the Bulldogs. Hasn't he just repurposed himself? Drafted as a midfielder, played most of his career as a mid or a half forward, but um, inside 50, he's become 
really dangerous now, hasn't he? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. He marks everything. He kicks straight. So the only thing that I reckon might go against Mitch Wallace, um, and we're talking about an all-Australian team here, he'll be high up in the Bulldogs' best and fairest, I think. The only thing that'll go against him is that he's got Butler and Papley. If they take in two small forwards, you'd have to say it'd be those two or Charlie Cameron. So it's probably so it's Butler, Kennedy, Cameron as the three small forwards. After that, it's probably him and Bailey Fritch, I reckon, are in the next line of conversation. So if he finishes the season well, uh, he might be a chance. Thanks for your call, Brendan. Lockie's in Beaconsfield up next. G'day, Lockie. How are you, mate? Good, mate. That's the way. Look, I could probably give you the whole squad now if I really wanted to, but <laughs> Come on. I, I, am, I am a Bomber supporter and yep. there's always a lot of conjecture about the wing and whether it should be a wing's position or whatever. Obviously, it should be, but sometimes a mid, inside mid gets the job. But uh, I reckon Andrew McGrath has had an outstanding season, very, very consistent, hasn't put a foot wrong. And Sam Menegola to match up on the other wing as well. Mm. I think he's had a very good season, underrated almost. But um, I think they're, honestly, at the moment, they're the locks. I know Gaff's in the question, but he's had a couple of down games. But I think those two have been the most consistent for sure. Is, so is Andrew McGrath, my only question to you on, on the wings, Lockie, and I, and I do agree with you about the fact that they should be wingers selected. Last year, it was Marcus Bontempelli and Tim Kelly, and neither of those play wing. Um, but is Andrew McGrath a winger in the, in the pure sense of being a winger? Or is Andrew McGrath uh, a midfielder now, a genuine midfielder? To be fair, he has spent more time midfield, but when they obviously rotations, but he does spend a few minutes here and there on the wing. So him, yep. Shield, Merritt, P- Parrish, and the likes, they do rotate. So, and I probably say that more so because he was more of a winger last year as well. Mm. But oh, you can't. Regardless of, I mean, we're talking sort of semantics now, but regardless of that, you can't question the year that Andrew McGrath's had. He's um he's now a a bona fide midfield, and I, I love the way the Bombers really took their time with him. He started at half back and they sort of bled him in and then they began to move him onto the ball for four or five minutes here or there. And then as you say, took him out to a wing and uh, now he's spending a lot more uh, time right in the coalface and, and doing a very good job of it. If you're talking about pure wingman in the pure sense of the word, I probably haven't got him there only because of how much time he's been spending through the midfield. If you're talking wingman, there's a pretty good case for humour cluggage to be made, I reckon, if, you, if you're talking absolutely pure wingman. Lockie, appreciate your call. Nice to hear from you. Janine's in Nary Warren has got a view on someone who she thinks should be a lock for the All-Australian team. Hi, Janine. Hi, Jack. Oh, I don't know about a lock, but he'd have to be um, a bit of a smoky, and that would be Shay Bolton. Well, he's um, he may not be a lock for the All-Australian team, Janine, but he's become a, a lock for you just about Richmond's first-choice midfield now. Certainly has, certainly has, and he'd have to be up there in our in our, our BNF count too. I'd, I, you know, I'd think, um, and he's only twenty one. So, when you think, you know, you can see why we drafted him. Like it was like twenty nine or thirty, yeah. we drafted him in twenty sixteen or seventeen or something. But yeah, you can really see, um, you know, his his talent coming to the fore now. And when you consider, we've had Prestia out, um, we've had, um, oh, you know, others transmits. Yeah, he's just had four games, you know, and to have him through there, it's just been, just been really good, and you know, just all upside as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I thought he had a big influence on on Monday, Janine, in the uh, the Gold Coast game. Didn't have his biggest night possession wise. Only had 13 disposals, but five clearances, seven clearances the week before, six clearances the week before that. He doesn't need to have in that midfield 
He doesn't need to be going at 25, 30 disposals. You've got lots of guys who you can share the footy around and share the load. But for, for pure, pure clearance footy, I've always admired Trent Cotchin's ability to win the clearance. Uh, now you add Shea Bolton into that list. Plus, there's a guy named Dusty who goes okay, uh, who's also very good at extracting the footy out of clearances. So you, Tigers are well placed. Um, and this is the strength of this team is that Damien Hardwick and uh, Blair Hartley and the Tigers, they've drafted a team they, they, and they've used every, every player on their list means something. And they're dealing with injuries like others, um, but they've been able to find depth. And uh, Shea Bolton getting, getting more opportunity has been uh, one of the big finds of 2020. Damien's in Strathmore up next. G'day, Damien. G'day, mate. Yeah, I was going to say Shea Bolton as well, but um, another smoky, maybe not this year, but definitely for next year, um, Liam Baker. Playing very good. Every week he plays well in the back line. He's just getting better and better each week. He's been um, getting a lot of love from Tigers supporters off the text, Damien. I'm glad that someone mentioned yep. uh, Liam Baker. He, he's gone from strength to strength. From where he was at the start of last year, where he sort of came in in round four and then was out for a period of yep. time in the middle of the year, but he's he just looks so comfortable at the level now. Yeah, he, he was like he had like about an eight-week period where they put him back in the reserves and uh, trained him up as a backman. Yep. And then they brought him into the seniors. So he had that, that seven or eight games in a row under McRae where he could play as a backman, and he learnt so much. And that's the that's the one thing that's frustrating, not having the reserves this year, But because um, you, you can just train them up in any position you want and then bring them in when they're ready to go. So you can have a forward at the back, you can have a back at the forward. It's, mm. it's really effective. Yeah, you get the, and you get them playing your way. And Craig McRae um, has been such a huge part of, of Richmond's success in, in recent years because he's coached the, the reserves team and coached them to the same way and the same structure that the, the senior team have played. And it shows because you bring players in and they're able to adjust to the system straight away. Off the text, 0433 98 11 16. Been a stack of texts. We're up to nearly 170 texts in the first half an hour. Um, Jacob Wiedering's name, I reckon, if that hasn't been mentioned 20 times off the text, I'll go he. Uh, yeah, he's, he's going to be hard to shake, I think. The centre-half back position or the key back positions in this All-Australian team may be harder than they've been in, in quite some time. Last year, I thought Harris Andrews at centre-half back, Jeremy McGovern, sorry, Harris Andrews at full-back, Jeremy McGovern at centre-half back. I thought they pretty much took care of themselves. Um, Andrews has been good. But the bar's obviously higher. McGovern's been injured, so he's going to need to finish the year really well. So I spoke about Darcy Moore. Um, Dougal Howard's name's been getting some support from Saints supporters uh, off the text. The the key back positions are going to be fascinating with this All-Australian team uh, this year. Todd Goldstein getting a lot of support for Kangaroos supporters and even from a few that aren't Kangaroos supporters that say that uh, he should just be a lock anyway. This one as well. Hi, my name's Courtney. I barrack for the Swannies, and I think that a player that should be considered for the All-Australian team is Luke Parker. Always plays a ripper of a game, and he's always leading our disposals and clearances. Well, we spoke to Luke Parker last night on the show, uh, and I spoke to, and we spoke at the time about the load that, um, that he's shouldering through the midfield. I think that he should most certainly be considered at the back end of the season because he's led that team so well through the mids. Stay with us here on Time On. More of your calls, more of your texts. Some of the stuff that you've missed from across the day. We haven't even really had a chance to hook into some of that. But up next, we talk NBL with the new CEO of the Tasmanian team, yet to be named. We might find out a little bit more about that. Simon Brookhouse will join me next here on SEN. Time On with Jack Everett.
Welcome back to Time On on SEN. Still to come this hour, some of the stuff from across the day that you've missed. We'll talk Taylor Walker. We'll talk a little bit of Tom Lynch because everyone's been talking Mitch Robinson and Tom Lynch today. Some interesting comments from Caroline Wilson and a whole lot more. That's all still to come in the last half an hour of the show. You can keep your thoughts coming. 0433 98 11 16 on the text. And, of course, the lines are always yours. one 736 736 Most of you who listen to this show know that I absolutely love the NBL, the direction that the sport has taken in the last few years under Larry Kesselman and Jeremy Lowliger has been absolutely superb. They're one step ahead with everything that they're doing, including having a team join the NBL competition based out of Tasmania. There's a lot still to work through. Still got to appoint a coach and players and a name and some other stuff that we might talk about. But the first move is a very, very good one. They've appointed a CEO. His name, his name is Simon Brookhouse. He's got a strong affinity with Tasmanian basketball and sport in Australia. And he joins me tonight here on Time On. Simon, thanks for being on the show and congratulations. Thanks, Jack. And it's a, it's a pleasure to be here. Great to join you. Uh, you must have, I would imagine when uh, you would have been following pretty closely uh, the the developments around a team coming into Tasmania and how things were getting closer and closer with the working group that were established. But then as soon as it was announced, you, your ears must have pricked up as a sports administrator with a bent towards Tasmanian basketball. You must have been pretty keen on this. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think it's just a, it's an exciting opportunity for sport in Tasmania, not just basketball. I think sport in general to to actually follow the NBL and the growth that, as you mentioned, Jeremy and, and Larry have been able to achieve and, and now have a team in Tasmania that will be Tasmania's own uh, in a national national competition and on the international media, I just uh, it's really exciting and an opportunity too good not to look into. Um, how important is it, and you, you obviously would have spoken about this during the job interview, so you're not under another interview now, but how important is it knowing <laughs> that that Tasmanian market? It's one thing to know basketball, but... I reckon for this team, knowing that market would have would have been pretty crucial. Yeah, I think that's fair, Jack. I think there's a lot of nuances in Tasmania, as many know, with the, the sort of the northwest, the north, and the south, and trying to bring all of them together is really important. And having been involved with uh, basketball down there, um, you get a really good understanding of that. There's a great rivalry in the the NBL one between the the northwest and, yeah. and the Hobart teams, and so. But the one thing that I do know is, is the Tasmanians are really passionate and they're really passionate about something that's theirs. And to, to sort of the NBL's vision to have this team out of Tasmania and, and the other sporting codes have obviously looked at Tasmanian teams and not had the leap of faith. So I think that's a really great thing and it'll unify the state. And I'm really hopeful that everybody's going to get behind it and um, really support as their own. And, and that's the main thing. It is a Tasmanian team. It's the community we want to be involved in and we want to be successful. And have you found that, and there's an article uh, in Tasmanian papers today that Adam Smith's written about uh, the NBL being a step towards an AFL team. Obviously, we'll let the AFL do their thing when it comes to it. But have you found that there's been significant interest from, from other codes who have said, oh, okay, you, you're going to go ahead and do this. How are you going to go about it? Yeah, I think that's fair. I think that a lot of people have sort of sat on the fence to some to some extent and from the other codes and not made the decision. And you know, just to reiterate, the NBL's vision and, and to make that decision, I think, puts them ahead of the pack. And if you look at the growth of, in the last five years of what the NBL has been able to do year on year, it just continues to grow in every metric. So uh, I think they are ahead of the pack in, in taking this leap of faith. And I hope the other codes do follow and, and see what what you know what they've been able to do and what can be successful. I've got no doubt about that. Now the Chargers name um, is synonymous with Australian basketball. It was it was bought back for for NBL one, which I thought was a, a really really smart move. Just 
Tell us about the hole that w- when the team shut down and we didn't have a, a team based out of Tasmania anymore, they were pretty emotional times. And, and you speak to a lot of people who were involved who were emotional about it even to this day. How big of a hole did it leave not having a basketball team in Tasmania? Oh, look, I think when the, the Devils finished up in the mid-90s, I think 96 it was, and, and it, it left a real hole. But one thing that's continued on with what was the SEABL and, and now the NBL1 is at least there's been that semi-professional basketball teams in Tasmania. There's still an affinity for, for wanting to be on the, the national stage and in this extent the international stage. So there's no doubt it left a hole, but I, I don't think it... I don't think people's passion for the sport was left wanting. They had something else to grab onto with the Hobart Chargers, the Northwest Thunder, uh, the Launceston Tornadoes, who all still exist. And it's important for us to be able to work with those teams and and with Basketball Tasmania. One of one of the major, I guess, aims for this team is yeah, we want to be successful from an NBL point of view, but we want to be successful to grow the sport in Tassie. Mm. And you know, if we can double the numbers of Tasmanians who play basketball, that's as big an achievement for us as, as winning an NBL title. We're talking to Simon Brookhouse, the CEO of Tasmania's new NBL team. Um, there's been a, a fantastic initiative by the NBL to, to have a website set up, nbltas.com.au, if you, you haven't seen it, where you can go on and you can vote for the name. I, I don't have the exact number, but I've told it's been an extraordinary number of votes uh, to name this team. So the, the interest is there already. Are we getting closer? Yeah, we certainly are. Um, we, we, we closed the entries on Friday last week, and uh, there is a short list that will be published soon. I think that... Uh, a number of those teams were, were were in the media last week. The Timbers, the Tridents, the Jack Jumpers, and a few others to name a few. <laughs> I, so, I, I like the Jack um, Jumpers personally, but that's just me. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, I think I think it's great. It's a great uh, name. It's synonymous with Tasmania. I think Timbers has an uh, allegiance to Tasmania, and the Tridents also in terms of you know the three parts of Tassie: the northwest, the north, and the south. So they're all um, they're, they're all really good names, and they all actually relate to Tasmania and yep. I think that's really important that it's the community making the decision around this and obviously we need to bring the brand to life but they've all been involved. So how, what does it look like from here? I mean this the NBL 21 is very much up in the air. We're, we're looking at a December start hopefully at this stage all things being equal but there's uh, there's a lot still to play out and then it's it's your turn after that. So when when do you start to I mean there's the obvious appointments of coaches and players and all that sort of stuff but to to have a team it's going to, and a club, it's going to take more than that. How do you start to go about making appointments? Yeah, sure. Look, first and foremost, we'll get the, the, some off-court staff in place. Obviously, my appointment was crucial, and there's a number of other roles that we'll be filling in the coming weeks and months. Coach is really important. I think it's um, something we will take very seriously, our search for a coach and who can build a culture from year one. Um, and, then, and then the next phase is obviously players. And one of the things that, has to come into consideration with the fantastic support from the, the Tasmanian government, not only around the team, but the redevelopment of the, the home court being the deck. Um, we want some Tasmanian flavour in this as well. So we'll be looking, whether it be off-court staff, on-court staff, players, to make sure that there is a Tasmanian influence. So they're the sort of things we've got to work through. And between now and, and Christmas, we really need to get the off-court staff in place, coaching structures looked at, and, and then get into the community and start launching the brand. What's the vibe in the community? I'm sure that your phone would have gone uh, absolutely crazy in the last little while. What's what's the early feeling on from the community about having a team back? Look, I've been overwhelmed, Jack. Uh, the, the number of positive comments that, that have come through, whether it be via LinkedIn, whether text or phone calls, but even sort of some of the media interviews that have been done in Tasmania, everybody 
everybody has been extremely excited about this opportunity for the team and and I think that um, it's a great testament to the Tasmanian culture that they want to get behind this and make it successful. Uh, you mentioned that you want a Tasmanian flavour for, for right throughout the club. Uh, I can think of a, a Tasmanian who played a lot of basketball that's now playing some pretty good footy with the Gold Coast Suns. Um, could he, should he expect a phone call at some stage, Hugh Greenwood? That there'd be, uh, he's got a great culture of <laughs> basketball, as you know, um, a good homegrown Tasmanian, so you'd never say never. Um, <laughs> I think he's on a pretty lucrative contract at the Gold Coast, but uh, I certainly, uh, it's funny you mention that because he was a name that I mentioned because um, I knew his mother um, before she passed away, unfortunately. So um, it would be fantastic to have someone of a huge calibre involved, but obviously he's got a contract to fulfil in the AFL. So um, we'll see what happens. Uh, I think that the move itself to, to have this team, I've been a huge advocate from the moment it was discussed. I'm, I'm so glad to see that it's come to fruition and I'm so glad to see that you're going to be leading this, uh, this basketball club forward. Simon, congratulations. Uh, look forward to working with you and interviewing and speaking with you, but uh, you've got a lot of work to do, so all the best. Thanks, Jack. Appreciate the time and uh, look forward to the journey. Simon Brookhouse, the new CEO of the Tasmanian NBL team, and it looks like we'll get a short list of names coming up in the next week or two, which is uh, very, very exciting. And to everyone in Tasmania, a lot of you listen to us here on SEN and you've been barracking and pushing for a team. The next thing you can do after this is when the team is named and when the team is ready to go for the NBL 22 season, get behind them. Go to games, buy a membership, buy merchandise, Show your love because you've waited this long. Now it's time to get behind them. We'll come back with some of the stuff that we've missed from across the day. On SEN, your home of sport. Time on with Jack Everett. This game, it makes me smile. Always has. Began at Nana and Pop's house in Kalgoorlie. Now I have my own pocket at Adelaide Oval, which is a bit silly when you think about it. Doug Nichols round means so much to me and my community. We get to represent all our brothers, sisters, uncles and aunties. Every week, Indigenous players star in this game of ours. My hope is the message of this week remains long after the games are played. To celebrate who we are. It's a fabulous package. Eddie Betts being the feature of it as we head into Sir Doug Nichols round. We thank Fox Sports and Fox Footy for making that audio available for us as well. He has been... I know that the term watchable, it seems like it's been one that's thrown around ad nauseum in 2020, but um, as a commentator, I love calling games that Eddie Betts uh, is involved in because any time he goes near the footy, something is a chance of happening. Absolutely superb. And that can kick us off for our stuff that you've missed with thanks to McDonald's and to say thanks to all healthcare workers in Victoria. Maccas are shouting, any healthcare workers, a free small McCafe hot drink or medium soft drink. Now, it ends August 19th, which is today. So that means that you've got a couple of hours if you're living in metropolitan Melbourne or more, yeah, one pretty much, or more if you're living outside of that to uh, to get in and get yourself a hot drink. But uh, the gesture from McDonald's is absolutely superb. And as I said last night, we thank everyone working uh, at the front line for the work that you're doing during this period. Some of the other stuff that you've missed from across the day, Taylor Walker spoke today to the media in South Australia ahead of his 200th game this week against the Cats and he says he's hopeful of continuing his career but understands obviously that the Crows are facing a pretty big rebuild. 
I'm contracted for next year, so I've always said I'd love to honour my contract. I think it's part of being loyal and it's just the way life works. So, But we understand the realistic part of our football club is we're going through a transition phase and I think that conversations will need to be had at the end of the year. How many old guys do we keep? What's the list look like? They're just conversations that are going to need to be had. So I'll certainly do that with Nixie and the football club at the end of the year. So will you get on the front foot with that to say what would you like to do? Or how, how do you see that? Ah, I'll just ask the question because that's just, I, I'd like to know the answer. That's what happens when, when you're unsure, you ask questions and, and you get answers. Be a little bit prickly at times, Tex County. But um, one thing that you can't question is he has been a, an absolute champion for the Adelaide Football Club. He's within three goals now. I want to say it was four before the weekend. I reckon it's three now of uh, going level with Tony Modra on 440 goals as the number one goal kicker uh, at the Crows. So we wish him all the best in game number 200 against the Cats on Sunday. To the Demons, their ruck stocks might have taken a bit of a hit. Braden Pruce. Uh, limped off the track this afternoon, which is not good news for Demons fans after how good he was on the weekend. Their high-performance manager, Darren Burgess, uh, Burgess gave an update. Uh, Maxie's progressing well with his rehab. Uh, we're just taking it day by day, and we'll see how he pulls up for the weekend. Prusy just hurt his hip today in, in training, so we'll just have a look at how that goes over the next few days, but, but we're confident that he'll get up. All of that courtesy uh, of the Melbourne website to some cricket news. Great appointment by the South Australian Cricket Association. Fantastic move. Jason Gillespie will leave his role as coach of Sussex at the end of the English County season and will return to take up a role coaching South Australia. The Redbacks have been pretty ordinary for a number of years now and have sort of swum in a sea of mediocrity. This is a good way to show that you mean business and this is a good way to, to really start to take a step forward by having, in my view, uh, one of the best coaches in the world, let alone Australia, uh, at the helm in Jason Gillespie. So a great appointment. I thought this was interesting on another note. This was Tim Zhu having a crack at Jeff Horn. Now, these two are getting closer and closer to their fight. Uh, the Horn camp, who are pretty good at drumming up PR at the best of times, but the Horn camp is saying that, the Hornets as fit as he's ever been. He's added four kilos of muscle and he's going to hit that hard that he'll just knock Tim Zoo out. But not according to uh, Jeff's opponent. Apparently, uh, Jeff Horn has, has added four kilos of, um, of, of muscle or size. What does that tell you about how he's approaching this fight? Um, I don't think from muscle, it could be big man. <laughs> oh, them fighting words from uh, Tim Zoo. That's courtesy... Uh, of Sports Day with Gary Belcher and Scott Sattler. We appreciate the the boys making that audio available for us as well. So that just about sees us out here on Time On. It's been a busy show. As always, appreciate your calls and appreciate all of your texts. On another note, just to finish off, uh, you may have seen the announcement today of the beginning of SEN New South Wales and SEN Sydney, which is fantastic. Andrew Voss at the helm will lead our breakfast show in Sydney magnificent appointment. One of Australia's best sports broadcasters and maybe one that in, in Melbourne doesn't get the recognition that he deserves, but he is an absolute star and it's the company thing to say that I think it's a great appointment, but I mean that from the bottom of my heart. Vossi is an absolute jet uh, is, and he's a huge addition to the SDN network as well. So Vossi, good luck uh, when you join in the next couple of months. That'll see us out for the night. The match committee with Terry Wallace back tomorrow night from six o'clock. Stay safe. Look after each other. Do the right thing. Wear your mask. Stay home. Let's beat this thing. 
G'day, Mike Hussey here. Get on board Australia's best fantasy cricket game, KFC Supercoach BBL. It's fun, free and easy to play. Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. 